Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. All right. So I got a couple of goals here. Um, let me get my top. See, I got to keep my watch and I got to keep my, my notes. I'm from New York. I talk a lot. So I got I to stay. I got to keep myself straight. So I want to, I have a couple of things. I want to, the first thing I want to do is I want to make you, help you all to realize that you are worthy no matter what. And there's nothing that you need to do specifically to be that. You just are that. I want to validate your struggles, right? Because we all have struggles. Everyone in here has struggled. We are not exempt from pain. I want to show you that you are enough. I hear that a lot, you know, from Christians that I just don't feel enough. I just don't feel enough where you are. And I'm going to help you realize that today. We're going to submit that in it. Um, and I want to encourage you to discover and activate your God-given power to find healing in whatever area you need healing in, whether it's mental health or whatever, okay? And I'm going to provide a little activity at the end for you to do just that. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. Um, I was 10 years old when I first had, when I had my first anxiety attack. I didn't know what it was because there were, there's really no word for it at that time. Well, I guess it was, but I didn't, I was 10, so I didn't know. I would, I would violently throw myself to the floor. I would pull my hair. I would scratch my face. I felt a lot of like disturbance in my stomach and I couldn't necessarily say I'm experiencing anxiety. I just, I knew something was overtaking me. I knew I was overwhelmed. I knew I was, there was some stress there. Um, I couldn't verbalize my pain. I didn't even know what it meant to behave in that way or to respond to stress in that way. I became avoidant and isolated. I didn't like being around people um, because it made me really, really anxious. So I would uh, find me a good book, find me a nice little corner, and that's where I would be. And, and having these anxiety attacks often, um, because my parents didn't really you know, know a lot about mental health or anything about mental health. My mom was young. She had me when she was 13. So she didn't know a lot about anything and that's more mental health. So to her, something was wrong with me. I had some type of demon. And I didn't know what a demon was because we didn't grow up in church. I, I didn't hear those specific words. I didn't, I, we didn't read the Bible when we were young. We didn't talk about God or anything like that. So you know, demon, that was out of the box for me. I didn't know what that meant. The only demon I knew was like on scary movies. So I was like, oh shoot, I got the poker, poltergeist in me? So that's the, that's the only thing I really do because we watch horror movies when we're young. That's why I don't watch them today. Um, so yeah, I became very avoidant. I didn't have a lot of friends. I, books became my friends because that's where I felt most safe because what I started realizing is that as I engaged with people, people made me anxious. People made me anxious. And the reason people made me anxious, not because they were bad people, just because I came from a bad place. I came from a bad environment, right? So I said, my mom had me when she was 13. She had 
two kids directly after that, you know, in the same year. So she had me in 77. She had two kids in 78, one in 79, and she was rolling. I'm, I'm the oldest of 10. And so, you know, there was not a lot of love and connection and, you know, reassurance. I wasn't really allowed to be a child. You know, I was raising kids as a kid. And so, you know, how kids just play today and have their little fun with their little sand and kinetic sand. It was none of that for me. So my escape was books, but my anxiety was never addressed. And so even when I felt anxiety, I never told anyone because I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want people to say, oh, she's crazy or she has a demon or all those things. So I kept those things to myself unless it was just overwhelming and there was nothing I can do. So like when I went to foster care, there was really not a lot I could do because there wasn't really a lot of space to, for me to have my own space. And so I would have a lot of anxiety attacks in foster care. But, you know, one of my foster mothers, she was really good. She, she would, you know, sit on the floor with me while I'm screaming. She would just sit and she would like hold me tight and she would rock, rock me. Um, and it helped a little bit. It helped a little bit. I thought she was kind of crazy because I'm like, why are you on me? I'm, you know, I need, I need my room. I need, I need my room to scream. I need you to get off of me. <laughs> so, um, so as I continued to grow up, my anxiety got worse and worse and worse and worse. I became more avoidant. I became more distant. I became more angry. And then on top of that, I said, I'm going to go to the military because this is what I feel like I need to do. And I'm just going to catch wreck in the military. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I almost got kicked out several times, but I didn't, like, right on the edge. But I didn't, you know. I, I said, you know, it's just time for me to leave. I'm just going, I'm just going to exit because, you know, I, I ain't acting right. Up. I know I wasn't doing my part. I know I wasn't acting right up in there. But there were so many things that were unaddressed from my past um, that caused me to struggle today with anxiety. Um, and so as I, as I came into this field as a therapist, you know, there was these two, two continents. It was one, you're, something's wrong with you because of what happened to your past, or two, you're not spiritual enough. You need to read more. You need to pray more. You know how some of these big evangelists will be like, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I was on my knee. I'm like, good for you. Oh, I clock. That's why that's part of the reason I had to get out of the military. Because y'all want to wake up too early. Wait a minute. Four o'clock? Nine? I could do nine. Four? I don't even know if God is up that early. He probably like, look, go back to sleep and meet me at nine. I ain't got time. So as I begin to study, I begin to realize that, that, that these two things work together because I'm a human. I'm a spiritual being, but I'm also a human. And what I realized, and even in my field, even outside of the church, but even in my field, there was only one part being addressed, right? So the church dressed, addressed the spiritual part. My field was addressing the, the natural part, the mental part. But we are a whole being. We are a whole being made up of different parts. And all parts need to be addressed because you can't heal one part and not heal the other. When I took my, my test for the, for the national board, whoo, y'all. But anyway, when I took that test, um, there was two parts, information gathering and decision making. 
And most people will pass the information gathering part because all you're doing is sitting and saying, hey, how's things going? What do you need? How's it affecting your life? But then that decision-making part, you had to really determine how each person was responding to their own stressors. And then you had to come up with a diagnosis based on that. Not a template, but based on that individual person. But if you failed the decision-making part, you failed the whole test. If you failed the information gathering part, you failed the whole test. So you had to pass both parts in order to get your national license. And it is the same thing with the wholeness of a human being. We got to treat all parts in order for us to be whole. Now, we'll never be fully perfect because we are living in this world. And we're living in a broken world due to the fall. But we can do our best to maintain our stability and the abundance that God wants us to live in so that we can not only serve ourselves, but serve others with the gifts that God has given us. When we are all wrapped up in our stuff and our pain, I'm talking to me. When I was all wrapped up in my stuff and my pain, I couldn't use my gifts to serve other people because I was too busy taking care of me. Now it is important to take care of me, but it's also important to give, to serve, right? To be in community. And I couldn't be in community because my, the way my anxiety was set up, uh-uh, mm-mm, no, they, they peopling over there, uh-uh, I'm not going over there, there's too many people over there, these people be peopling, I can't do it, so, you know, I would do my best to stay away from people due to my own anxiety, but like I said, as I begin to study, I realize that this is, this is more than just, you know, somebody not praying and somebody not being uh, spiritual enough. This is, this is a part of us living in the world because the, the spirit doesn't have anxiety. The flesh does. So how are we addressing the spirit when the spirit ain't the problem? The flesh is the problem. And if we're just addressing the spirit, and see, most of the time, I'm going to say some things y'all might not like, okay? So sometimes the spirit is, is we, in a church, we address the spirit because it's easy. That's what we know. And we know it works, right? We know without a doubt that God can heal regardless of what else is going on. God is going to be God and he can heal anything. But God created the world and handed it over to us. So that means that we got some power too. That means that he has entrusted us with everything that he's built up, everything that he's created. What he didn't do is create it and then say, I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm going to give y'all a little bit. I'm going to give y'all, you know, what y'all can handle. No, he said, here, take this. This is good. This is good. And part of that this is good was us. We are good. We are God's creation. However, we live in a fallen world. It was not God's intent for us to live in the fallen world. It was that old Adam and Eve. Let me tell you, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a conversation. Those are the first people I want to see. I'm going to thank y'all for letting me in. Oh, I'm so glad I'm here. This is nice. Where's Adam and Eve? I need to talk to them. Where they mention at? Where they mention that? Because I'm kicking down the door. Because I, I got a couple of questions. I got a couple of questions. I don't appreciate it. So, um... Lori K. Hamilton says, she says, there are wounds that never show on the body that are deeper and more hurtful than anything that bleeds. 
52.9 million Americans struggle with mental, mental health in 2020. Mental health um, issues are the leading cause of disability worldwide, not just in America, worldwide. They're more, it's more disabling than um, heart disease, stroke, or diabetes. Mental health problems are usually the result of a combination of factors. And here's what I want you to all understand, because I think sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I'm dealing with this, that means that I'm this. Mental health is not your identity. Just like if you have a cold, you ain't walking around saying, I am a cold. I am this sneeze, I am this cough. No, you are not that. That is something that you are dealing with. You were not born with that. That is not something that God gave you when he created you in his secret place. He didn't say, I'm going to give her courage. I'm going to give her resilience. Let me sprinkle some anxiety down there too. No, the anxiety came from my childhood from the natural world that I lived in, from my nurturing situation. I was not nurtured well. And that's where my anxiety came from. And I had to admit that. I had to see that. I had to accept that. That just because I have this thing that I struggle with, that I fight with, and, oh, we be fighting, okay? Because I ain't got time. We be fighting. Because what you're not about to do is stop me from living my life, right? But I had to accept that this is what it was. And I had to say, this is not who I am. This is not who I am. This is what I struggle with. So, so why, why do we think that, so that's one reason we believe that mental health is taboo. Because we don't want to feel like it's me. It's something wrong with me. There's something that you are, dealing with. And a lot of times, as just human beings, as a human experience, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? We do not like to feel uncomfortable. And partly, that's not, that's not our fault, partly. That's not our fault. Because the way that our brain is created is to create comfort for us. The brain wants us to be comfortable. So anytime you know, we feel uncomfortable and we tell ourselves a story. How many people go to the gym? You know how you wake up in the morning, you, you, the night before, you be like, I'm going to the gym. Because all I know is I'm about to put these reps in. And I'm about to, oh, it's about to be on. And then you wake up in the morning. And you be like, well, where the sun at? Why it's so cold? It's chilly in here. You getting up? Your husband like, well, I didn't say I was getting up. That's on you. I'm just saying, can you get up with me? Now I ain't getting up. So what you do is you start making excuses as to why you don't want to get up. And then your brain says, oh, this makes her uncomfortable. So then we start coming up with reasons as to why we ain't going. Well, I went yesterday. I, I don't need to go to the gym every day. I mean, it's seven days. That's too long. I went yesterday, and I was supposed to work out 30 minutes yesterday, but I worked out 45 minutes, so that means I worked out 15 minutes today. So I don't, I don't really need to go to the, That's your brain saying, let me give you some reasons to be uncomfortable, to be comfortable. Let me give you some reasons to make this decision, to support your decision, because you don't want to do it anyway. You don't want to do it anyway. And, and even in situations where there are things that 
we're not comfortable with like, oh, I ain't going in there. It's dark in there. Why? Because I, we're telling ourselves, I don't know what's in there. It's dark. Something bad going to happen. The only way to get over your, your level of discomfort is in, in certain things, especially when we talk about mental health, is competence. You have to become competent in it. And you don't have to become a scholar. You don't have to become a therapist. You don't have to become a psychologist or a psychiatrist. You have to understand the human part of yourself. That there is a human part of yourself that, self that must be addressed as well as the spiritual part of yourself. And so sometimes, I, I, I've, you know, I've been in a couple of churches talking about mental health and teachers will say, well, they just need to just pray more. It's just, you know, Kim Trees, because, you know, I've been the pastor for 20 years. It's just to pray more. I was like, yeah, but they've been praying for 15 years and they still, they still struggle. Is there anything else they can do besides praying? Because prayer works. But there is an action that we must take as well. There is an action that we must take. And we have to take responsibility for that, right? And so, you know, I, I, tell, I told this pastor, I did a, a service in Hershey Park. <laughs> and I said to him, you know, he was telling people not to take their uh, medication. And I was like, sir, wait a minute, hold on. We're we not about to do that because you take your medication, don't you? Well, my medication is for high blood pressure. So, uh, so, uh. I said, well, it don't matter. Medication is medication. If it's going to help them, then they need to take it. Well, uh, sir. <laughs> All right. If you are dealing with mental health issues, that is not a sign that you are not spiritual enough. It is not a sign that you are not praying enough. It is not a sign that you that your relationship with God is not strong enough. It just means that you're human and you're having a human experience. That's all it means. That's all it means, is that you're having a, humans, a human experience. That's it. It doesn't mean that you're broken and you can't be fixed or you need to be fixed. It doesn't mean that you're out there doing something wrong. And if you're out there doing something wrong, I would say, you know, correct that. But I'm just saying that's what it doesn't mean. God is not a God that will say, oh, since you're doing this, I'm going to do this. He ain't petty. He don't move like that. Right? And so what we have to ask ourselves the hard questions because we're so busy giving and that's a good thing, right? We want to, we want to give, we want to serve, but when do we give and serve to ourselves? When do we stop and say, what you need today? How you feeling today? What's going on with you today? You, you woke up a little irritable, right? So if I wake up irritable, I'd be like, Sean, I'm irritable. People are like, what can I do? He's so supportive, y'all. Get y'all one of those. <laughs> I feel irritable. People are like, well, I'm here for you. I got you. You want some tea? I'll be like, Lord, look at you. You done, you done, you done brought me out the fire. You done, look, look at this. <laughs> Here's what we got to understand. If we don't address our storms, our children and our families will experience the ferocious winds and rain of our storms. Trauma and pain is passed down. Your kids can experience trauma even if they've never experienced drama. 
they can experience through you. So I'm honest with my kids about my anxiety. I'd be like, girl, whew, not today. Yesterday, we was at an event. I had my youngest daughter with me. We was walking. We was fine. We was like, yeah, girl. I was like, yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. We turned the corner. Whew. It was like a festival. She was like, mommy? Mommy? Hold up. You good? I was like, whoo, girl. She was like, I know you got anxiety. <laughs> what you need to do? She knows. She'd be like, you need to put your hands up. What you need to do? Breathe? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good, girl. But thank you for looking out. Thank you for looking out. <laughs> We are responsible for, we are not responsible for what happened to us. A lot of times, you know, mental health and this illness can come from, you know, childhood issues, nurturing. A lot of times it comes from a lack of nurturing or a lack of nurturing, appropriate nurturing. Because we don't know, as parents, we don't know how to raise kids. Like we try to do our best, right? They don't come with an instruction manual. Like, I think this is on page three, these terrible tools on page three. We don't know. So we do our best to love our kids and we do our best to raise them right. But sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we make mistakes, you know, and we have to we have to get used to saying to ourselves, am I OK? But then also, let me ask my child, are you OK? How's things going with you? How are you feeling? We have a role to play. Um, Holocaust survivor and best-selling author Victor Frankl said, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And that space is our power to choose our response. And our response lies, our growth and our freedom. We have more control. We have more power than we give ourselves credit for. It's not okay for us to sit back and wait for healing. You know how, uh, what's the name? Go get your blessing. I can't sing. Um, Mary, Mary. Go get it. Go get it. Go get your blessing. Go get your healing. God is with you. Right? When the, when the uh, Israelites came out of Egypt, he, he didn't walk out of Egypt for them. He made provision for them to come out of Egypt, and they had to get up. They had to move. They had to walk. They had to make the choice to keep going in spite of the obstacles, and they're complaining. He didn't, he didn't say, uh, okay, I'm going to uh, put this escalator on the floor and y'all going to stand on it and this escalator going to go from here all the way to the promised land. No, there was a work that they had to do and part of that work was mental. They had a lot of mental struggle. Why? Because they had been in captivity for so long. And that's why he didn't take them to the land of the Philistines. Because he said, if I take y'all through there, y'all just going to become slaves to the Philistines. Because your mind, your mind is not right. We have to take control of our mind. Paul says in Philippians 2, 2 12, 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. This sense in which we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling is, is twofold. The Greek word means for workout is means to continually to work, to press, to push, to bring something to completion, to move, to do. It is a pressing towards a goal, a constant moving towards a goal. In this instant, that goal is healing. That goal is restoration. That goal is 
getting to from number three to the before to number five, because we're not going to necessarily go from zero to ten. But there's a constant work that we have to do in order to get where God wants us to be, to do the work that he created us for. The second part is fear and trembling, which means with great humility and respect. We should have so much great humility and respect for God and ourselves that we do the work. And then we ask God for help along the way. That's where the prayer comes in. That's where the, the church comes in. You know, that's where the, the support system comes in. I'm doing my work and I need support, right? Moses, when they were fighting the Amalekites, he had his hands up. That was his work. He did the work, but then when he started getting weak, the help came in. He was like, y'all, my knees. <laughs> my knees ain't right. Right? And so there's a work that we have to do. If we buy into the myth that mental health, mental health issues are from a lack of faith, then we are not victims, we are volunteers. We are volunteering to this identity that is not ours. We are carrying a bag of shame and guilt and pain and loneliness and abandonment that is not ours to carry. We just choose to carry it. And I have actually met people that thrive in chaos, and I was one of them. If it was too quiet, I'm starting to fight. Why y'all so quiet? Something got to go down. I, I literally used to be like that. And I, my family is still like that. That's why I go around them, because I ain't got time, y'all. I ain't going back. I ain't going back. <laughs> and so we have to make sure that we understand where we are as a spiritual being and as a human being. Because we want to stay away from becoming a volunteer in our own pain and hurt. Because if we become a volunteer, then we have to consider our role in our own struggling. I had to ask myself, what role are you playing? in your own struggling, because pain is inevitable. We all gonna experience some type of pain in life, loss. Pain is inevitable. But suffering can sometimes be a choice. We have to choose not to sit in our suffering and we have to do the work. We have to do the work. If we don't play our role, then we are responsible. I'm going to read the scripture, Faith and Deeds, James 2, 14, 24. It's, it's a little lengthy, but it, it's, this is what I'm going to end with because it's good. What good is it? Good is it? I'm going to say it with an attitude because this is how, this how I, I move. I, I got a little attitude, so I, I, that's how I'm going to read it. I don't want y'all to be like, I know Jesus didn't say it like this. The word didn't say it like this. is how I say it. What good is it? <laughs> what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? 
I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You said you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. It actually says that. Good for you. <laughs> Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac to the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. There is an action that we must take. We see it throughout the Bible. The, 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 the one with the issue of blood. She was like, uh-uh. I know I ain't supposed to be here, but y'all got to move. Excuse me. According to the Levitical law, she wasn't supposed to be there because she was making everybody unclean, including Jesus. And she wasn't worried about that because she was desperate. And sometimes we have to get desperate. And we got to go into the square and people looking at us like, oh, she think I sure do. Excuse me. I got to get to... And I'll be fanning. Y'all better move. Y'all better move. Because y'all got to get all this thing. Y'all better move. Y'all don't want to be stink. Ain't unclean. Get out of my way. <laughs> so there are things that we must do, right? I'll give y'all a quick overview. You know, I'm always going, I'm, as a therapist, I'm always going to say, you need to go to therapy. The first thing we do, though, we need to acknowledge that there's an issue. I have an issue. I don't know, even if we can't put words to it, I don't know what it is, but something's off and I need to go talk to somebody because, you know, if I have a broken arm, I'm going to the doctor. God and science works together, y'all. They work together. God created science. God is the head of all and everything falls under that. And he's given us everything we need. Somebody said, God don't make furniture, he make trees. We chopped the tree, unfortunately, because I'm a tree hugger, so I don't even know why I give that example because now I'm feeling a certain type of way. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, there's a work. He is a guide. He is not going to walk out the steps for us. Our faith has to move us. Our faith, faith is an action word, just like love is. If somebody tell me they love me, I want to see. I want you to show me. I don't want you to tell me you love me and never show me. I don't want you to tell me that you have faith and never show me. We got to do our own work. We got to decide to change. We have to understand that it, this is not our identity. This is just something that we're dealing with. And we always have to address the roots. And sometimes we don't want to do that because that's hard. But if you address the leaves on the tree, when the, when the, when the spring comes, the leaves won't come back. We got to address the roots. We got to get down in there. Pull up those roots so that they don't, the issues don't return. You know, take medication. Take medication. If that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. Right? Timothy, in 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul gives medical advice. No longer drink this only, only water, but 
take this little bit of wine for your stomach elements because Timothy was having, you know, I don't know what Timothy ate. I don't know what was going on with his stomach, but something was going on with his stomach. And Paul was powerful because even in the next scripture, it says how Paul was so powerful that he was, he was praying for people and people were touching him with handkerchiefs and taking it to the sick and the sick were being healed. That's how powerful Paul was. But Paul didn't say, pray, Peter. He didn't say, let me pray for you. He didn't say, read. He said, take this wine for your ailments. When King Hezekiah, the king of Judah, was sick and prayed for recovery, God Almighty instructed Isaiah the prophet to tell him to take a lump of figs and lay it on the boil. And they took, they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. That was medication, y'all. That was medication. We got to learn to take time off. Some of us be like, I don't never take no days off. I got 50,000 PTO days. I ain't taking no day because my job need me. Yo, you drop dead today. Your job description will be up before your obituary dries. Give me all my PTO and some I ain't got. I want that too. You got to take time off. In 2018, there was a study that showed that 55% of people said they did, not, they did not ever take PTO. Can I have their time? I'll take it because I'm good for a trip. We, we, this is what I mean about the role we play in our own suffering. We work ourselves too hard. You know, when we go to Europe, they have their little holidays. They, they don't be playing. They be taking their naps. We be, I don't know what we, we live in a country that is all about being a boss and being driven and I sleep when I'm dead. Well, you go ahead because I'm asleep right now. You sleep, you go ahead and sleep when you're dead. I'm going to sleep right now because I'm tired now. And so connection, we have to make sure that we are connected to the right people. That's people going to be like, girl, you, you off. You're not, you, you don't look like you're doing too good. Is everything okay? We don't need to surround ourselves around people who be like, oh, that's what it is. You ain't got nothing to do with me. Or because I feel uncomfortable with maybe your grief or your anxiety or your depression. I ain't going to say nothing. I'll be like, well, if she come to me, then I'll say something. But I ain't going to say nothing. But you see it. Call it out. If you see it, call it out. I want to give you all the opportunity today before I leave to love on yourselves. And Matthew God took, Jesus took 613 Mosaic laws and he gave us two. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We got that first part right. Love God. We love him. We do. We love him. We do it. We got the second part right. We love our neighbor. But what about ourselves? And that, that was not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a law. It's not an option. Love yourself. Why? Because God understood that if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And for those of us who say, some people said to me, just but I can love, but you're giving out of empty. So you got a plate full of food, and everybody else get the food, and when the plate comes back to you, it's some crumbs on it, and you look in the crumbs. And then you're like, God, I'm still hungry. Well, of course you are. You should have fed yourself first. 
That is not selfish. That is a law for you to take care of yourself first because if I'm healthy, if I'm well, then I can give more. And I'm not giving out of bitter, bitterness. I'm not giving out of fear. I'm not giving out of frustration. I'm giving, I'm actually being a cheerful giver because I could give to you and still have for myself. So I'm going to give you all this opportunity in the last couple of minutes we have together to participate in a little activity. I told you, I said, y'all want to live on common. We about to live on common. Let's do it, y'all. All right, the first thing we're going to do, I want everybody to sit up straight. This is the opportunity for you to love yourself. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you. Don't worry about who's looking at you, what they got on, what they smell like. This is about you. This is an opportunity for you to love you. I want y'all to close your eyes when y'all feel comfortable. All right. Did I get that music down? I want y'all to take a deep breath in. Just pretend that you are in this room by yourself. There's no one else here but you. Pretend that you're in your favorite safe space at home or at work or wherever your sacred place, your quiet place. I want you to take a deep breath in, fill up your lungs, and then slowly blow it out. I want you to fully relax your body. Bring your shoulders down. If you feel any tense, tensity in your body, I want you to release that tensity. I want you to take that deep breath in again. Blow it out. I want you to go back to your childhood. I want you to choose the childhood home that you have the most memories in. I want you to see yourself standing in front of that door. You might feel a little anxiety because you haven't been here in a long time. I want you to cautiously ring the doorbell or knock on the door. And as you see the door open, your childhood self opens the door. The little boy, the little girl. And they're happy to see you. They are happy to see you. I want you to take his or her hand and allow him or her to walk you to the sofa. Look over them. Look how well they look as they marvel at how well you have done for yourself. I want you to notice that fluttering in your heart that you feel, that love in your heart that you feel for them because they are you and you are them. They are the reason you are here because they held the pain, they held the struggle, they held the uncertainty. They protected you. I want you to say to yourself that we are safe. We are whole. We are valuable. And we are enough. God created us great. Amazing. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank that little boy and that little girl for protecting you. Thank you. 
for holding it all for me. Thank him or her for holding that space, that pain, that regret, that stress, and all other unhealthy feelings. And also, thank them for loving you. Thank them for seeing you because that is the first person that really saw you and accepted you just how God made you. You didn't have to pretend for them. Embrace them. He or she is proud of you. They're proud of what you've done regardless of what you've been through. They are proud of you. Tell them you love them. Tell them that you promise to do whatever it is that you need to do to be whole, that you need to do to live the life that God created you to live. You make that promise to them. They kept their promise to you. You now have to keep your promise to them. Promise them that you'll fully show up for them like they showed up for you. Tell them that you honor them and that you thank them and that you will take care of yourself from this point on. Now I want you to slowly get up and begin to leave that house. Look back one more time and say, thank you. I love you. I'll take care of myself from this point on. Whatever that looks like, I'll take care of myself. I'll take care of us from this point on. I want you all to take a deep breath in. Blow it out. I want you to count back from five and open your eyes. I want you to repeat after me. If we can stand, if we can stand, please. This is about you, nobody else. When God said, love yourself, this is what it feels like. It's hard, it's heavy sometimes. I want you to say, I'm a leader. I am a leader. Repeat after me, please. I am a leader. I'm self-actualized. I defy the odds. I am the obvious choice. I give. I serve, I love, and I build. I release the pain. I choose not to suffer. I will do my work. I will do my personal work. I am powerful. I will be restored. I am the keeper of my dreams. And I will be victorious by any means necessary. This is an opportunity for you to keep that word. If our prayer partners could come. This is an opportunity for you to love yourself. Again, this is not about anyone else. This is about you. This is an opportunity for you to see you, for you to love on you. Because this is what God has ordained. Because when you can love on you, when you can do your work, 
then you can give that same passion and love to others. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message, you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.